We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the sixth episode of the current series of Doctor Who, Extremis, by Stephen Moffat. This is going to be broken into two separate summaries, for the sake of convenience. Summary number one. Long ago, on the planet of executions, the Doctor is called before them for the execution of a Time Lord. It is Missy, and the law requires that another member of her species be the executioner. Since Time Lords are so few and far between, the Doctor must do the deed. Her hearts will be stopped, her brain stems stopped, and her ability to regenerate suppressed. Afterwards, the body will remain in a quantum vault for a thousand years, just in case. Nardole arrives. He has followed the Doctor on the orders of the late River Song. He reminds him of his virtues. Missy pleads with the Doctor, I'll turn good. Please show me how. But the Doctor throws the switch and then gives his oath as a Prydonian to watch over her body in the vault for a thousand years. She's not dead, though. She's just resting. The Doctor has fiddled with the wires to save her. The executioners are not happy until the Doctor tells him to look him up in the fatality index under cause of death. They run in terror, and the Doctor and Nardole put Missy in the vault. Summary number two. The Doctor is still blind. He receives a visit from the Pope, pleading for help. In their archives is a book called The Veritas, which has been there for 2,000 years. No one understands the language it is written in, and the early Christian sect who wrote it all killed themselves. Now, after centuries, translators of the Vatican have cracked it and translated it again. All the translators, save for one, killed themselves upon reading it. When the doctor goes to the Vatican to read the book, the missing translator is already there. He has transmitted the document electronically to CERN, and then kills himself. While Bill and Nardole investigate in the library, the doctor uses a Gallifreyan device that will temporarily restore his eyesight, but will rob him of something in the future. He is confronted by desiccated monks who steal the Veritas, but the doctor escapes with a laptop and the electronic version. Nardole and Bill enter a strange portal and find themselves first at the Pentagon and then at CERN, where the scientists are all going to blow themselves up. Narrowly escaping, Nardole figures out what's happening, and when he tests his theory, he dissolves. The doctor also escapes into a portal and arrives at the White House, where he meets up with Bill. The president is dead, having also read and apparently understood the contents of the Veritas, which just proves that in the Doctor Who universe, Donald Trump isn't the president. What a wonderful so world that would be. Universe, yeah. <laughs> the doctor explains, this is all a computer simulation, and we are all just intelligent AI characters in a game. Everyone kills themselves not as an act of suicide, but an act of rebellion, removing themselves from the game. The monks then dissolve Bill. They reveal that they have been running the simulation to plan their invasion of the Earth. The Doctor is also a simulated AI, but he's still the Doctor, and he emails the info from his sonic shades to the real Doctor in the outside world. Outside, the Doctor prepares for a fight. 
Okay, so uh, we'll just take a brief minute here. This is Simon, this is the first time we've had a chance to talk about uh, Series 10. And uh, as you know, or may or may not know, uh, Ben and I are five for five on this series. And I believe, reading through your reviews, that you too are also five for five. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, because well, I and I've been pretty much writing my uh, my posts around about the same time that you must have been editing the podcasts because we pretty much come up with it. But independently, the say the same things we liked and disliked, more or less, maybe to a greater or lesser degree. But, but um, yeah, it's the- something very spooky going on. <laughs> it's some sort of yes. It's almost like we keep just getting the same random numbers. Yes, it is. It is. Maybe that's what this is. Um, this is not the real world. This is another simulation, um, which we can talk about because that's actually based on something. But um, so I'm going to ask the question: six for six? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I've got to say, the simple answer to that is yes. But the more complicated answer to that is, um, in terms of this episode, I have to give verdict one which is relating to the story of, of Missy's execution, which I, I, I thought was a really good story um, in the, you know, in the, it's really quite short, actually, when you put those bits together, mm-hmm. the, 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 there's not that much to it, but it's, I mean, there's a lot in there in terms of the sort of themes about uh, the relationship with the individual and the, and the state with state execution and, how that impacts on relationships and identities and all that all that kind of jazz mm-hmm. um but but it in a way the story itself is is probably i haven't timed it but it's probably not much longer than night of the doctor and it's the kind of thing that you know could have been a one of those sort of standalone tardis things true. or whatever it was that that moffat said he wanted to do um verdict two is not quite so wholehearted i mean i liked it but it felt a little bit hollow in the sense that it didn't have the same kind of um thematic coherence i guess Mm. it's 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 playing around with some ideas but i'm not quite sure where it's going with all of them and i guess we'll come back and and unpack those there were a lot of things i liked that you know the atmosphere was great the again the performances were great i did like the fact that in this simulated world we end up with the doctor rather than when when everyone else has has you know essentially been destroyed by the discovery of it being a simulated world the doctor isn't and he he instead comes up with a a a response to it that is very much about being the doctor so in a, in a way there is a an answer to that ontological question in there but um i i, I still i still think there are there are one or two sort of um gaps or yeah. f- philosophical uh vacuums uh with within that that second script so yeah i i, I enjoyed it i'm going to give it six for six but my criticisms are about the major strand of the story, and also the structure. I mean, two stories, mm-hmm. completely separate. Um, that didn't really work for me. It felt like we were kind of crunching out of one story. When when the when the uh, the, the the Missy story faded to black at one point, it felt like they just didn't know how to end the scene. It was just right. 
fade out. We'll go back to the other one. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say a couple of things. Um, one, now that you mentioned a TARDIS ode, um, I wonder, and I'm speculating, if maybe this story came up a bit short, and instead of having a TARDIS ode somewhere along the line, they said, well, we can just interweave it with the other program, that whole A plot, B plot thing just to kill. Because I, I would agree that the second, the major part of the story is a bit weak. Um, but, but, it's, but it's not quite an A plot, B plot thing in the sense quite. that these really are two separate stories. Right. And the, the, if you like the supporting story, well, that, that it, that's a major part of the, of the series arc. You couldn't have ever had that as a standalone TARDIS ode. It, it needs to be something everyone watches because it answers the question as if we hadn't already come up with this answer, but it, it answers the question, what is in the vault? Right. So it's pretty important the other thing I want to say before I give my verdict on it is just to your point of the doctor is the one who does not give up. He does too. He actually says, switch me off. He, he, he's also reached his limit, but the difference is the book, right? He sees River Song's diary. He remembers River Song's diary, the words of the master, whatever it was there at the darkest hour. And he turns it. So, I mean, you know, it is in a way, the doctor does win. He's not crushed. I mean, he doesn't, he's not crushed to complete defeat, but he's pretty close. He's and, close. And I get the impression because the, the monster said it, I've killed you a thousand times that we don't know how many times the simulation is run. And we don't know how many times the doctor did not email out the document. So there is also that possibility that this has happened many, many times before. And still, um, you know, and the doctor did fail on it. So sure, but but it's it's the it's the means of the solution that I like because it it what it actually relies on is that if you're if you're asking the question as you should be watching this, what is the difference between the simulated doctor and the real doctor? Because you, you know that 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 in the end is what it all comes down to. It, it, is this the real world or is it shadows? The the simulated doctor, because I, part of me was kind of thinking, well, how on earth could he have emailed out from inside the simulation into the real world? But another part of me is thinking, well, it, the doctor finds a way because he is the doctor. It doesn't matter that he's the simulated doctor because he is a simulation of the doctor. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, he is the doctor. And so he's 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 brilliant enough and clever enough to do something that goes beyond the expectations or, um, you you know, confines of of the system that has created the simulation. Uh, Unless, you know, his creativity in finding solutions relies on randomness, in which case then he's hosed um, because there's no random (laughs) in this universe. And and that's a problem we come to. I I have tactfully avoided saying whether or not this is six for six uh, up to this point. I will say... <laughs> I'm I'm so I I thought I was um uh on the one that was before oxygen which is knock knock yes knock knock I thought that one was as close to the line as I could get to a uh yes no just barely on the side <laughs> of yes this one is as close as I can get I'll give it the go but whereas in oxygen I mentioned on my second viewing I had I had nits that were bugging me. 
because this is computers. The nits were bugging me the first time through, and they bugged me a lot worse the second time through. And of course, it all has to do with AI and random numbers, and and you know what what's been simulated and how long it's been simulated. And we can talk about that. But let's talk about the Missy storyline first, because that is that is the better one. I mean, we've we've got all our answers. Um, to the mystery of what's in the vault. It's set us up for him opening the vault before the thousand years is over and, um, you know, calling for Missy's help in the oncoming storm. So, you know, we've, he's got a reason to break his oath. He's got a reason to need Missy's help. The eyesight, um, she's the only other time Lord he can call on. She claims to be his friend. And I don't think that's a lie. I think that no. the master and the doctor were friends and that the master in his way or her way still thinks of the doctor as a friend. It's just that now the master is insane. <laughs> well, yes. Well, you know, loony insane as opposed to the Roger Delgado master who I thought was power mad, which is not quite the same as I'm going to dance around the room uh, it's a know, different. Killing, it's a different kind. It's, it's of, a, no. It's a, it's a. It's a. It's only a different manifestation. But I could see how that master, in his power mad madness, could see the doctor as nothing more than an obstacle and treat him as an ex friend because they have diverged two people. And and the same is true with the doctor. It's an ex friend. He has taken a path that is too dark and wrong and against everything I believe in. And so, yes, I remember you being my friend, but eh, not really anymore. But the master in the madness of the current version, I can totally see seeing the doctor is still a friend and having, you know, that twisted, weird sort of, you're my friend because you're my best enemy or whatever kind of illogic that, that we could put on it. Um, but was I, the- I, I still see I still see Delgado Delgado's master as being because because whenever you get them together you just get this enormous sense of respect between them for whatever differences they have about you know um, trying to take over the universe and so forth it's still the case that there is a uh, I, I don't. I don't quite know what know what the word is because clearly, both the doctor's sense of moral obligation and the master's insane power lust will ultimately override that friendship if it if it comes into conflict. But you know, the when the master tries to kill the doctor or the doctor tries to get the master locked up or whatever, he does so with a sense of regret. Mm-hmm regret for you know the friend that he's lost and still reminded of i i I, yeah i it's a complex relationship there's no doubt about it um was the master sincere was missy sincere when she said i'll i'll turn good teach me how no i don't think so did you no i couldn't tell um you know i i think that's the problem i think the doctor will take her at her word and that's the reason he'll let her out okay okay you. Well, the, the, I, I suppose the, the question might be: Does she believe what she's saying? Is 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 that is that what you mean by sincerity? I, I, I was be- sincere, yeah, I'm sincere. I mean, I guess yes. 
sincerity is what you believe yourself. So, yeah, I guess. Maybe maybe she believes it. I, th- I think there's probably a part of her that's not not really taken in, but... Um, Mm. Mm. Um, part I didn't she probably like. she probably she probably wants to believe it a bit. Maybe not as much as the doctor wants to believe it, but still. One part of this story that I did not like, I mean, bugged me. Can you can you guess? Instead of curiosity, I'll have a go. Um, was it the fact that uh, the doctor got all of the executioners to run away by saying, have a look in the fatality index. Oh, yeah. How many people have I killed? Oh, yeah. That was it. Was like, oh. <laughs> that, that, that... That, was, that was certainly my biggest... That, that was my biggest um, irritation for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Was that the third, third time that's happened? No, we that, didn't. It, it, it wasn't repetition that was my issue. Well, I mean, it's the same thing as, you know, here we are in the library, look me up. Oh, okay, I think we'll leave you alone. Um, the doctor's standing at uh, at the Pandorica and bluffing his And it seems like there's one more where he does that, where he just basically says, look at my reputation, decide whether you're going to make that move, and they run away. It's, it's always Moffat that does it. It's always Moffat stories. And here it is again. And it just... This one seemed to be the worst of the bunch. It's 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 some it's something that it's something that worried me when the doctor lost his sight in the last episode because I anticipated the fact that his weakness would become a problem because he has instead of real strength he has used this this um, terror that he inspires and. So that's that's certainly one of my problems is the is the idea that the doctor achieves what he wants to achieve or uh, manipulates other people or cajoles other people or however you want to put it by offering threats and that's a problem because either the threat is an empty threat in other words he's he's bluffing he's going around saying he's going to kill mm-hmm. them all or whatever but he's not really or he is, which is worse. Mm-hmm. Yep, both are true, and and it's kind of in a way. Well, okay, let's let's use uh, try to use Earth history because we always can come up with some. If you had a fatality index and you put it, because I assume that we're going to have to work on everything, every death that the doctor caused, because it's not every person that the doctor has knifed to death in an index that's going off there. It's all of the countless people who've been caught up in the the churn of the doctor's righteous path through the universe. Um, but but let's just say it's let's say you're standing there and an unarmed Adolf Hitler is standing next to you, and he says, "Look up how many people I've killed," or probably in a German accent, and uh, you look at it and you go, "Ooh, this guy's scary. I'm running away." Nah. It's still just a man standing there, and uh, I just don't buy that. I don't. Well, I, well, I, I think. I mean, it rela- that relates to my second problem, which is really much more specifically about this episode than uh, the Pandorica or the library, in the sense that why run away? Because if he's if he's such a badass, you can't. And yeah, y- he's going to get you anyway. So 
you know, there are a number of things that you could do in response, including maybe just doing nothing or trying to sweet talk him or trying to stand up to him. Running away is certainly one of them. But is it the best one? Is that really what everyone's going to do? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I will go back and say it in the library, silence in the library, when he does that bit, the first time that, that Moffat pulls that trope out, it's not the same. He's not necessarily showing them how deadly he is. He's telling them to look in the library through all the books and look him up. They may be looking at all the good things that he's done, all the justice he's brought, all the fairness that he's brought, all the compassion that he's brought to the universe. And they may look at that and go, all right, you know something? You got your 24 hours or whatever they gave away. This is a guy who will do the right thing for us and he'll do the right thing for them. And if, you know, if you cross him, yeah, you got a problem. But in that one, it was a very, very good choice because it was in this one. He's very, very, very much pointing out, I'll kill you because it's the fatality index. So it makes it the worst of the three. Uh, possibly, possibly, though, I, I think it's bad in the Pandorica. In the Pandorica, it's it's kind of bad, too. I mean, that's that's relying on your personal history. Remember every time you tried to beat me? Think about that. Yeah, that's bad too. But this one is this one's the worst because it's not even personal experience. There's no context to those death. That guy's just seeing, you know, numbers racking up on his watch. So yeah. Um, that, we also learn how Nardole came to be in the doctor's service. Yeah, although I'm not, I, I'm still not quite clear how Nardole got his head back. I so. I'm going to work on the assumption based on the pilot that. Nardole is just a more advanced version of the robot we saw at the beginning of the night on Derillium. That in the, what was it, 36 years or however long night is on Derillium? Yeah. In that time, they just upgraded him. Okay, okay. You know, his head on top of a mechanical body that looks more like his. And that would also help us explain why he needed a spacesuit last week. So so he, so he, he had been... He has had some other contact with the Doctor in between the last we see in Husbands and what we see in in uh, this strand of extremists. Well, if they stayed on Derillium for 36 years, Nardole was there. He was working yeah. in the restaurant. Okay, yes. Remember, yes. his head was down in the the robot. They could trade heads for the, the pretty yeah. boy and Nardole. So I think they just, in that time... Yeah. So in, in that... But, but, but in that time, he spent some time with... The, the Doctor and, and River. River, clearly, yeah. and obviously got to know River well enough that she trusts him to do this. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think that's what we can safely draw from that. Um, you know, why he chose that moment to pop forward and and bring out the book and talk to him about it? Is that is that truly the Doctor's darkest hour when he has to execute the Master, or just the first darkest hour that I don't know, but it was... Or, or, well, I suppose the question is, how does... how does? I'm, I'm just spooling through my mind here. How does River know about this? How does she know about something that happens for the Doctor in his personal timeline after Derillium? I, I don't... Well, I don't know. I don't think it's... Mm, mm, yeah, we could, we, could, we could pick at that. I was just assuming that the Nardole has been following the Doctor on orders to... Oh, so it's Nardole's discretion that he decides that point. Well, he decided this was the point where he needed yeah. to step in and tell him he can kick his ass. Yeah, yeah, that works for me. So, 
Yeah. I mean, I, 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 as, as a standalone story, I think it, I think it's, I think it's really strong as a, as a way of um, filling in the, 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 these kind of bigger continuity questions. I, I like it. Um, I, I certainly like the fact that Moffat's working again, working the arc so that it, things move forward in much the way that he did with um, Time of the Angels in the middle of um, season 31 or whatever it was. Yeah. The, 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 the thing does raise a couple of questions for me about um, why. Uh, so, for, for, I mean, I, I, it's spectacular. The visuals of it are spectacular. Yeah. Um, and the whole, the whole, you know, the creation of this this planet of the executioners, love all that stuff. Then you then you've got this whole uh, quantum fold chamber thingy uh, popping up. They stick the master in it. Okay, all well and good up to that point. But now we've got a couple of questions. One is, so the doctor did a funky thing in order to fiddle with the wiring and fool them into thinking that the master had been executed, which was rather spoiled by the master. But anyway, never mind. Um, but he's he's almost he's almost got away with it now. Though he's got a definitely not executed master in a box, and he's made an oath to guard the master for a thousand years. So is he going to guard the master for a thousand years? Clearly, he does. Mm-hmm. But it's not obvious to me why. I mean, on the one hand, does is his oath really that important? Because we know. The right. Doctor may not have that much respect for the House of Pryden and also has been known to lie once or twice in mm. the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the and, and, and I mean, I, I could see maybe it makes sense in his own right that you don't want to let the Master out because she's a bit, as you say, insane and also evil. But is he then going to let her out at the end of a thousand years? And so will she be that's gonna be a worse? Problem. Well, been locked up for a thousand years. So yeah, so, so there's a question of uh, rehabilitation as well, um, but it, it certainly seems possible that the doctor. I mean, maybe that's his plan. He'll just keep her locked in there forever, or until she promises to to be good, and the, the thousand years and the oath aren't important. But the other the other the other problem I've got, um, and I guess this probably isn't going to bug most people, but now I've thought of it, <laughs> and I'll share it share it with you all, so it'll bug you too, is. They're on this uh, planet of the executioners, yada, yada, yada. But the vault is at St. Luke's University, Bristol. Mm-hmm. How did it get to Earth? Because if you can just grab the vault, stick it in the TARDIS and deliver it there, like he's doing, you know, he's delivering for his moving house for, for Bill in Knock Knock. Why can't he just stick it in the TARDIS again whenever he wants to go for a little jaunt and then he won't get nagged by Nardol. He can go wherever the hell he likes and tootle around the Universal as per normal and still be guarding the vault because he's got it with him. Yes, there's that, unless he's worried the Master will get out and steal his TARDIS, but okay, but yes, that's Well, in which case, how did he get it to Earth? How long has it been at St. Luke's? Well, at least 50 years, but I assumed quite a lot longer. Yeah, now, now I, 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 assumed the, I assumed the 50 years was just, you know, the, someone had, had spotted that he, he was still around 50 years later, but that was because he hadn't even been spotted for, the, you know, the 200 years previous or whatever. They said it was a long, long time ago, 
on the planet of the executioners and did he go to earth at the same time or did he leap forward to the 1950s and start his vigil then well he could he could have left leapt forward to the 1950s i i don't know i mean my preference is for the idea that she's actually been at st luke's a lot longer um though i suppose maybe, maybe she's close not, to a thousand years we, we've 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 got to assume then that Nardole doesn't age. I mean, even fifty years, he. True. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Nardole isn't aging, um, but but uh, how long how long was Professor Cronotis at uh, St. Seds or couple hundred whatever? So um, and and uh, that wasn't a problem. So I imagine it'd be much the same at St. Luke's. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Uh, but when I start when I start thinking about oh well, maybe he got the the. Um, quantum fold chamber and popped it in the TARDIS and took the quotes executed master's remains in this vessel it reminded me of something else the movie indeed (laughs) great great please no return of Eric Roberts please no return of Eric Roberts um well three masters if if, if there's one thing that's better than two masters it's got to be three masters if if only if only you know, in another 10 years, in another 10 years, the technology they used in Rogue One will be good enough and cheap enough. No, 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 no. They can maybe do it, but not Ro- today. Ro- Ro- Rogue One, I thought, was really strange because I had no idea that was that was CGI when I was watching it, though it was just uncanny. And I thought, my God, they found someone who's the absolute spitting image of Peter Cushing. Mm-hmm. And... It, that's the reason he sounds nothing like Peter Cushing, because the chances that you find someone who looked and sounded like Peter Cushing were astronomical. In fact, it appears that they just made a CGI Peter Cushing and then vo- got him voiced by someone who didn't sound like Peter Cushing. Nice one. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, but you know, it was very expensive and it was a very short for a major budget film. Yeah, you know, TV budget, Doctor Who budget, ten years. I don't want to see it. To be honest, if my my genuine answer is what would be better than two masters, and my answer would be one master. I do not like multi doctor stories. I don't need multi master story. Well, we had a we had the two masters from Big Finish not Day long ago, which, which was good. wasn't bad. Day of the Doctor, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, it's, I'll, you know, it's I'll allow that one. The Five Doctors. Sorry, Terence Dix fans, was a terrible story. I mean, it was yes. just yeah. And, and the three doctors wasn't great. The three doctors and the two doctors and the two doctors—they were bad stories. Day of the Doctor was a good story, and then having three doctors worked. But that's yes. the problem. So yes. I, I'm I'm willing to accept the possibility that it could be a good one. I'm, I'm, I, 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 yes, I'll allow the possibility, but um, I'll also allow that probability based on past experience suggest don't be too optimistic so i guess we should probably talk about the other part of the story <laughs> yes um yeah so my complaint there and, and i think you wasted is there really isn't much of a story there it's it's kind of a series of set pieces and you know ultimately kind of everybody dies um which uh, more successful in the inferno I, I don't know. Um, well, I didn't think of Inferno. Uh, actually, the the comparison that uh, came to my mind and that, that I therefore, uh, unfortunately, filtered this episode through was an episode of Red Dwarf from Series 5, 
Um, so minor spoilers uh, for Red Dwarf may occur now. Um, an episode called Back to Reality, the one with the, the despair squid. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it, it, mm, it, do, it. it does... It's, it's worth watching. It's very good. And it, it, uh, it sort of does uh, what this does, almost exactly the same, but back to front. But it does it with... Uh, it does incredibly tightly and it does it so that it's very clear where the divergence is between the real world and and not the real world and it also makes it very clear why people are killing themselves or appearing to kill themselves or whatever and it seemed to me that that um there was you know beside the kind of uh, underlying thematic issues with this episode there was a a bit of a sort of i mean unusually i guess from Moffat, but a sort of structural flabbiness around you don't for example see i don't think where the divergence is like no when when, no no when we join the doctor in the lecture theater and the pope turns up we're already in the simulation right right and Um, i think the the scene before the credits where he's lying on the thing and he gets an email subject extremist is the real world that's that's the real world doctor yeah the divergence occurs during the credits and no 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 because that's well, the, the, the the simulation is 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 happening to the doctor uh, it's actually occurred before that because he's receiving the before. email at that point yes yes exactly right. and and so here's the other i mean so 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 many things this is this is what was niggling me about this so many things just keep popping up in my head over and over again how long has that simulation been running well, we, that, that's my point. We don't know. It could, it could be that it just started before that scene, which would be you know, reasonable, logical, fair enough. Um, but it might equally have been running for ages and ages and ages. Well, yeah. So in the simulation, I mean, if, if you start the programs up at any point and they have all their past knowledge and experience, they wouldn't know that that was, you know, background as opposed to things that have happened to them in, in real simulation. Um, you know, at some point, at some point, they had to make a scan yes. of everything. Yes, the point and, of divergence. And the further back it goes, the more everything they had to scan to make an accurate simulation. Except it's not everything, is it? Well, well, the doctor says it is. He actually said it once. I... My first time through, I thought, you know, wow, they've simulated. Well, let's see. If the divergent point is before they went to Chasm Forge, that means they had to simulate Chasm Forge as well. And they had to simulate all those people and all their background and all their history. And it's like, and that becomes ridiculous. And they've had to simulate everything in the TARDIS. And, you know, it's, frankly, it's, it loses its possibility of believability is what happens there uh, to me. But it's not and that far back. <clears throat> I don't know. How, how, do, how do we know? But then when I'm, when I'm watching it, then when you see the scene where they're in the projectors and Nardole is talking about, well, there's the Pentagon and there's the Vatican, y- you could make the argument that says they're just simulating those zones. Yes, or those people. Right. But what it would have happened if the doctor had driven from St. Luke's to the Vatican, if those are two separate portal simulations? And if he couldn't have driven between the two, then the simulation's not valid. And the simulation's not <laughs> valid anyway, because if you can't generate random numbers, then you are not generating a real representation of the universe that you're in. 
And so nothing, none of your assumptions are valid. And therefore, this is a pointless exercise that doesn't work. And it just, these things just keep piling on. Wait a second. I want you to expand that point. If you can't generate random numbers, you can't simulate the real universe. Okay. So if, if we're simulating the real universe uh, and we have the real universe side by side, okay, let's, let's just say that the divergent point is exactly the moment when the CERN scientist slaps his hand on the table. Let's pretend that's the point. In our universe, Nardole and Bill come up with two different numbers. In the simulation, they come up with the same number because they are fakes. And they can't do what we can in the real world, which is make up our own number. Therefore, when you're trying to simulate the AI people, they are not behaving as they would behave here because they they are following a predetermined computer pattern. I, 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 see, I, would, I would say that actually... I, I, you could you could make an argument. There is an argument, a strong argument that it, they that when they make up their own numbers, it's not randomness. In other words, if your scan is good enough, the simulation, like the real world version, will have them making up their own numbers, but it won't be random. Where does where does randomness actually occur in the real universe outside the decay of uh, radioactive isotopes? Okay, but it's not okay. If you and I, we could, we can try this experiment right now. I can slap my hand on the table, and you and I can pick a number. It but won't it's be not, the same. It won't be the same. Okay, but it won't but be in random. The universe, it is in the simulated universe. It is because their random number generator is so primitive that it doesn't even take into account the last fifty years of computer science on Earth. Because we can do far better than that. <laughs> I mean. You don't let writers explain computer concepts. They said, oh, I once read that you can't have random numbers on a computer. Sure, you can't have random numbers on a computer, but you can have things so close to random numbers that for all intents and purposes, it could appear to be. And the Nardole AI and the Bill AI only have to be a millisecond out in phase with each other that, that, you know, and if they're simulating them, they're a little further from the guy. The air, the sound travels a little slower. Did Bill decide to pick the start of the thump or did Nardole decide to pick the end of the thump? And with that minor difference, I ran even a simple random number generator now will produce completely two different numbers. It's just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> but what generates, just, what generates that minor difference? Time. So, uh, Typically, I mean, one of the simplest ways to have a random number uh, difference is to have a, a seed value. That's typically if you give two, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, if you give yeah. the same in number, your but computer you just generate, the, the number what of milliseconds. generates that random difference in number the of real world from runtime in the real world. Oh, in the real world, we don't know. I mean, we don't know how we aren't good enough yet on working out how human brains work to know if predeterminacy in the universe exists. And we've had that discussion. I don't know. But at least I do know from, you know, thousands of years of trial and error, you and I are unlikely to pick the same number. And a whole room full of people are absolutely impossible to have picked the same number over and over again. I mean, the, the odds of that just go sure. through the roof. But, what, but they're what? demonstrating that this their simulation cannot recreate the real world as it really exists, which would be people picking different numbers. So 
if if they're going through a process of picking a number or doing anything as part of what you do, will I pick up that coin? Will I not pick up that coin? You know, what determines it? If if they're arguing that these simulants have a determinancy that's not the same as what the real people ha- would have, then the simulation is wrong. Now, obviously, simulations are simulations, and they're not, I mean, global warming simulations are not perfect. They get better all the time. You make a model, you refine it, you refine it, you refine it. But here, this one seems flawed at such a simple level that that it bugs me and also why is there a book <laughs> why why is there a book if they scanned if they scanned our world it's the equivalent of a week U- ago unix man pages you know then did veritas 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 exist when they scanned it or did they add that into the simulation and why would they do that and why did they try to steal the book or has the simulation been running 2,000 years? And, and I will point this out, it doesn't have to be running 2,000 years in real time. It's computer time. It could do that. You know, I mean, our, our future simulations of global warming and climate models run faster than real time. Because they're simplified. Well, that's part of it, but also because the whole point is to be able to project it faster than one second per one second so sure but if what you're interested in, in is the detail if you want a, if you want a much more complete model you might actually have to go the other way because you don't have the computing power to do it even at real-time speed yeah these guys obviously have some heck of a big pentium chips on their <laughs> computer system but you know i mean the, the simulation could run in a, a, an hour in the real world and simulate 2000 years of, of human time I don't know, in which case then the book could have been created by the simulants in the universe. But, you know, if, if, they, scanned, if they scanned at any time after 2,000 years ago, that book shouldn't exist because there would be no reason for it to exist in the real world. I, I, it, it, all, it was all beginning to just kind of niggle at me. The, all of these things, like, I like the concept. I really do. I really I like think the, the concept, the concept is fine, and 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 the and the 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 imperfections in it are not big flaws. But the problem that I have is that I don't quite understand what Moffat's trying to say with it about whatever it is that because he's done some of this stuff before. It's Silence in the Library, for example, where he's made a lot more of it, and yet here, good point. He, he's suggesting we get we 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 have these simulations in the simulated world who mm-hmm. up, up up to a point are not uh, aware that they are simulations, but when they discover that they are, they commit suicide. So I mean that that that's quite an interesting idea um, mm-hmm. in 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 terms of you know the the the. the the kind of existential impact of discovering you're not real, but it depends on the idea of what actually does real mean. And he doesn't appear to engage with that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wondered, I mean, the other, it's a bit like a few things have been thrown in here and, and, it, and they, they, they lend a certain atmosphere to the story, which, which does work very well, but they, they could be a lot more, and it's a little bit frustrating to have a story that promises these things, but then doesn't really make as much of them 
as it could. So, for example, he's thrown in all of the stuff about Catholicism, and Mm -hmm. it appears to be quite important because it's not just anyone who has committed suicide. It's it's translators who are Catholics in the Vatican. So, yes, as you say, they're going to be devout, and they are going to believe that what they are doing is committing a mortal sin. Now, how does their... Except under- that the Pope's wrong there. I mean, once they've read once they've read the Veritas and they know that they are not actually people and that they're a simulation, then their faith is probably shaken to the point where it's like they didn't choose hell. They chose, oh, hell isn't, it isn't a well, thing. But that, uh, but I, th- that, that I get, I mean, that might be the kind of obvious interpretation, but it feels just a bit glib to me. Why... How how if you how if you have that faith do you and I can't help I mean there's a certain amount of heresy in the episode anyway so okay I'm big library for it <laughs> I'm possibly going to well indeed um, but also um, you know I can't imagine a lot of devout Catholic viewers being that happy about seeing the Pope depicted um, in this one but yes, well, we, can, we can talk about. The Never. real Pope Benedict the Ninth. <laughs> well, I, well, indeed, and that too, and that too. So, um, you know, I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with uh, kind of with challenging some of these things if it is done in a good cause, which is to, you know, question these ideas. And obviously, we have in the simulation a what is effectively a universe that has been created so it is literally a universe that has a creator and mm-hmm. within that we have people believing so, so we you know the, the the vatican's translators who killed themselves had had a belief system about um the nature not, of the not, universe yeah not to put too fine a point on it but a, but a, but a, a, a created universe and so even too even well true true but Wait, even, are, even, are we contrasting but, 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 those two sides? All right, go ahead. We, we, we are, but even, even for those who have the who who are members of the Catholic faith, they what they actually discover is not that they are um, non-existent uh, or, or unreal, whatever that that might mean. But they are copies of something else. So they are still they are still. There, there is still a, there must still be for them a relationship with God somewhere there because God has created the quote real universe and then within that they have been given life. Now, does that does that make them abominations? Does that make it okay that they should kill themselves, or does that does that mean that in in some way they have a life of their own and they have their own relationship with God and therefore committing suicide is still an equally heinous act. I, and, I don't know the answers, but it, but it, the questions interest me. And would how would you feel? I mean, and this is a simple thought exercise. How would you feel if you found out that you were a simulation? I, I wouldn't run out and kill myself. Indeed, I I, I I would I would you know I might sure a bit of an existentialist crisis. I think by definition that might be the uh, the true true meaning of that word. But at, at the same time. I do exist. I think I exist. I think therefore I am. And but I appear to have free will. I would be more inclined to try to find out about the nature of the universe that I actually exist in 
instead of turning it off. Unless yes. you yes. truly – although there is one clue. The guys at CERN who – which you know is a real lab and it's a, a real huge particle accelerator and I'm sure it has – all that dynamite just lying around in a storage shed somewhere. But but all the people well, at CERN... Well, that probably takes a bit of dynamite to build a particle accelerator. We're doing this to save the world. And so here's one possible, here's one possible solution to that. If they know that this is a simulation, we know they know that. If they know this is a simulation that is intended to be used as a prelude to an invasion of the real world then by killing themselves, they are disrupting the simulation and they are perhaps delaying or preventing the invasion of the quote-unquote real world. Now, that, that, that would make a lot of sense. That, that, but it's that not would, explicitly that would explained. I, I, just, I, I think, I mean, what you say about your reaction to discovering your simulation, the, it's an interesting question in itself, but when you can contrast the response of um, devout clerics and particle physicists who are who are busy, you know, in dis, in trying to, to to discover the Higgs boson, they're trying mm-hmm. to deconstruct the universe, which they suddenly discover is not real. To explore how those reactions might be different, it, it, it seems like something interesting, and it doesn't actually seem to go anywhere. So now there is a theory going around, um, or hypothesis. Let's get our terminology right here. I don't want to use the, the layman's vernacular that. The universe is a hologram, not necessarily a, a simulation, but mm-hmm. that they're beginning to detect what might be the grain of the the grain of their reality. And I thought that was kind of where they were yes. going to go with this episode, and then it just didn't even didn't even happen. And uh, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that one. It's like it, again, it doesn't really matter if it turns out that we're really a a holographic projection from another universe, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, it is irrelevant to me and my existence. Um, but, but if you're a particle physicist, it's, right. it's not so irrelevant. Right. That would be like, wow, I think I got a paper here. I still get published. <laughs> I still get paid. I still get to, to have all the sex I want with beautiful science groupies or whatever it happens to be. Now, that's just Brian Cox. Uh, and, but, you know, it, it's just... I, I I find it hard to believe that that just oh yeah turns out yeah I might as well go kill myself I'm not not getting it. it's a fascinating concept but of course as with any any story where they hold out on something it's like it's so bad it's so awful it's so terrible no one can find out about it in any story you ultimately have to find out about it because eh, it's a cheat to the audience if you don't and of course if it doesn't cause the audience to run out and kill themselves then it's not all that bad, and in this case, they had an they had an out because oh, it turns out it's not really you, so don't worry about it, you people watching it on TV. But but still, you could sit there and think about it, and yeah, it doesn't seem like that would be um, universal kill switch to me, unless that's what's programmed into them because the simulations are actually correct. And they're programmed to wipe themselves out in the event that they discover the truth. In which case, again, the simulation does not work. And, and, just keep it going. If this is a simulation to see how they can invade the planet, why is there no invasion? <laughs> I thought it, you know, was, an inva- it, was, a, it was a simulation to 
to study their their responses and i thought it was to study their responses and i guess this would be an explanation of why the veritas is there but not why they're trying to hide it which is how will they react to discovering they're not real but on the other hand i can't think of any useful reason for right knowing how someone would react to discovering they're not real (laughs) if they're real right so, and, you know, it's like, all right, well, we've got the Pentagon. Let's try, what if we bring a spaceship in? What will they do? Okay, blow it up. All right, let's not try that. What if we bring a cloaked spaceship in? You know, that seems to me like what they should be doing with this simulation. They said they've killed the doctor thousands of times. But maybe, yeah, well, maybe, maybe the simulation is not yet doing what they need it to do in the sense that people keep discovering that it's a simulation before they actually get to the point of being able to, to, to do the invasion or whatever. If they would just erase that book from the simulation, this would not be a problem. <laughs> well, that, that, may, that may be the case. That may be the case. But, I, the, I mean, I, I liked the... I, I, personally, I'm subscribing to the idea that this is a selective simulation because I liked the projector room and I liked the fact that, you you know, you had... The, the the White House through one door and you had the Pentagon through another door and you had the Vatican and you had the mm-hmm. Doctor and all of these things. So that all was was working for me and it's a reasonable kind of way of wrapping up what what essentially I, I think felt to me like a series of um, nice, uh, nice Moffat vignettes, mm-hmm. even if ultimately they kind of felt like I, I hesitate to say the less than some of their parts because the, you know there was a there was a story underpinning it, but it wasn't entirely free of holes, as I, I think we agree. Like, why can the simulation see the portal and walk through it? Yes, <laughs> there's one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's because it's a video game, and that's uh, yeah. There's there's a uh, yeah. But, uh, but again, I think uh, you know I'm 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 willing to I'm willing to buy a lot. I mean. Ultimately, most of the scenes in this, I enjoyed watching them. I, I mean, having the Pope turn up when uh, Bill's on a date, uh, the episode is worth it for the line. When I'm on date, do not under any circumstances put the Pope in my bedroom. Yes. I, again, it, when I was watching it, I was enjoying it. It was nagging me. But part of what was nagging me was also I said, you know, we're going to have a fascinating conversation about this because – there's there is stuff here there is stuff to bite onto but it just never quite grabs grabs it and runs with it and um so, so I, I would have certainly yeah. certainly it, it grabs it and maybe only manages a slow jog i would say yeah there there, okay. there could have been more all right let, let's just kick a couple things here around around the pope just for the record pope benedict the ninth Pretty much does not appear to be a woman. Um, certainly well, does not look have like. Have you been Catherine inside Zeta the Vatican Jones. to check? Um, Obviously, the how, church isn't going to admit it. Come on. Then, then wouldn't they have up. put the official picture up? Because there is an official picture of Pope Benedict. <laughs> but, but now, here's, but it, here's but this is the Library of Heresy. No, Pope Benedict IX was real. Ignoring the gender issue aside for the moment here, but but Pope Benedict. Uh, was real. Pope Benedict was the Pope in 1045, or at least for 56 days in 1045. Um, 
he had he, I'm going to use he because I'm I'm quoting Wikipedia here basically. Um, he was pope for 13 years, and then he sold, and I kid you not, he sold the papacy to Gregory the Sixth. Now I haven't gone too deep into how that happened, but apparently um, he made some deal and he sold it off. Nonetheless, uh, Pope Sylvester the Third took over after Pope Benedict. Uh, and all that is still before this story. So Sylvester III took over for about 56 days, uh, and then Benedict came back again for about three months during 1045, which is when this the doctor would have had his intervention. And then Pope Gregory took over afterwards, and a lot of it had to do with a king who wanted to be uh, named Holy Roman Emperor, and so he backed Gregory, because Gregory didn't pay. They'd made a deal to sell it, and then Gregory didn't pay up. So Benedict took the deal back. <laughs> this is a bizarre, Perfectly reasonable. bizarre section of time that they picked out and used. Um, when I was looking at it, I'm going, did they, did they write, did Moffat write this just so people would look up Pep, Pope Benedict and read the bizarre history that occurred around 1045? You know, is this is this a lesson in anti-Catholicism? Do you realize just how, you know, oh, the inerrancy of the Pope? And it's like, he sold the Popehood. <laughs> he sold it to somebody. I, and, dare, I dare say he, he picked he picked probably an uh, an area of uh, the, the history of the papacy that he was most familiar with, which would I'm I, I'm guessing that that that's something of a highlight. I mean, it. I, I'm not familiar with it. Is it all like that, or I, I suspect there's whole chunks of it um, that that are like that. There are there are actually several years where they had multiple popes, uh, sometimes even uh, conflicting with each other at the same time because different factions were running it. Uh, mostly, you know, crusades and periods in in that time. There was a, a lot more upheaval than there is uh, now that they've got their story straight. But. Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, I haven't gone through it myself. Not being Catholic, it doesn't interest me too much, except where it has to do with things like the Crusades, which are a period of time I'm interested in. But, um, yeah, it's just, I had to look it up. I had to go through it. Because there also is a tale of a female pope. And mm. I I couldn't call that to mind. It's like, was that Pope Benedict IX? Is that where this joke is coming from? But no, it's not. Um, the The legend is Pope Joan. And she legendarily was a ninth century pope, but the myth seems to have sprung up in the 13th century. And there was even apparently a chapel or, or some sort of religious that had a bust of her that was uh, removed in the 16th century. And the story goes she was uh, pretending to be a man, um, often at the behest of her lovers. And uh, legend has it that people found out she was a woman when she actually gave birth during a processional uh, in Rome. <laughs> Awkward. So, it's a real thing, but it's not Pope Benedict, which is kind of, again, kind of funny. If you have the legend of Pope Joan, why didn't he use that? Pope Benedict's funnier. I, I frankly figured that Pope Joan probably had a man's name because apparently... It wasn't found out that she was a woman till after she was already the Pope, so she must have taken 
yes, a guess. man's name. I thought maybe that was Benedict the Ninth, but apparently not. So weird one. Uh, by the way, why can't the doctor understand or the or everyone understand the Pope when he's speaking Latin? Oh, I've got that. Okay. Well, no, I mean oh, I've, got, got, I've, I've no? got the question. I, I haven't got the answer. Oh, okay. have you, uh, have you, was that rhetorical or have? You, I don't have. Are an you answer, testing no. me or? I think it's just. I just think it's a mistake. <laughs> but um, uh, let's see. Do we have? I, I don't know if I have anything else. I mean, I've got lots of nitpicky things, but it's all about the. I mean, uh, the, uh, there were. There were good lines, uh, again, picking out, may God light your path, well, he can certainly give it a go. But uh, the, I mean, I think more than more than you and Ben, I was, I, I couldn't have been more blown away by oxygen if you had put me in an airlock and vented me into space. And in particular, I liked the, the cliffhanger ending. And I was pleased that in this episode, they didn't, you know, immediately resolve it. I, to me, it feels like something that that has to have a much longer consequence. I, I, I don't. I genuinely don't know whether he will be able to see again before he regenerates. Though I suspect he will. I have, but, uh, but apparently, oh, go ahead. Well, the thing that's that disappointed me a little bit about this episode is that they have already started working around it. So you've got the sonic spectacles doing a lot mm-hmm. of uh, visual stuff and then you even have this um this magic time lord box that can read well that 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 can restore his sight that can bring his sight from a, a future regeneration or or use his regenerations to give him sight or something which is all all kind of like that i i don't quite get the point of it because foreshadowing what, i guess it might be but it's not. I mean, it it is, does, doesn't seem necessary here because because I'm thinking actually you you know this is the first episode where where we're we're actually si- the, spending the whole episode where the doctor hasn't his, ha- doesn't have his sight and it's interesting to see how how he copes with that what he what he manages what what he doesn't manage uh, and um, clearly certain certain things are problematic like reading for him and yet there are very very simple solutions i'm sitting there thinking hang on a minute this thing this thing could just you know my phone could read that book to me why why do i need some ancient gallifreyan technology to do it and ultimately he does get the siri in the laptop to to read it to him in it when he's sitting there in the oval office so it even then it doesn't actually achieve anything Right. I think it's, I, I do think it was just, you know, we're in a simulated universe here. We're showing you that the doctor does have this technology on the TARDIS and that if the circumstances were desperate enough, he would use it and that it might have dire consequences for him. I think that is the, that's the MacGuffin that causes him to regenerate. Okay. I think he's going to need those. He's going to need his eyesight. We've already been introduced to the device. He will use it. There will be consequences. It will ultimately lead to the downfall of 12. That's my guess. That combined with probably needing it because Missy has done him a double deal or something. I'm not sure, but you know, I think I, I think we mentioned it in the last episode when I was talking to Ben about coupling. Yes, which you know, Moffat can when he wants to put all the pieces beautifully in a row and, and has set done. you up. And and so 
this one, and and that's the other thing I did wanted to say about but, but, the, no, I, the I, pre-credit I think... sequence. It didn't feel like he was rewriting what we've seen already. This is the first time in one of the Moffat story arcs that when he starts halfway through telling me something that's been a kind of a mystery or something throughout the thing, that it doesn't feel like it's a rewrite. This one actually felt organically like, yep, he knew that when he wrote the pilot and the next episode. It it, it feels like it's actually plotted out instead of kind of being pulled along well and, i know that we uh, don't necessarily agree on all of those criticisms but but i i, well, I, I, I will yeah. wait and see i will wait and see whether this is paid off but i don't think it will i don't think it will affect the fact that i it feels to me like the timing is is wrong in the sense that this isn't perhaps the necess, necessarily the right moment to explore um ways of restoring the doctor's sight and in particular because the motivation is insufficiently strong. In other words, yes, it is really important that he reads the book. Yes, it might be worth, as a last resort, doing that thing. But why would he have to resort to it? Because, as I say, you know, and even even in the story, undermining it, he manages to read it just using the, the, the voice synthesizer on the computer. Right. Um, minor plot problem, I, I think. Um, but well, I'd say that one's more of an that feels more of an arc problem because you know I'm enjoying the way I, I, I'm enjoying the continuity that we are getting in this season, and mm-hmm. that's just you know uh, uh, it's a niggle. Uh, it, it's a it's a bit of a flaw in it because normally, as I think we've discussed, the arcs can be they can work against the stories. Right, but in this in this season, it doesn't feel to me like they've been working against the stories. I like the fact that we've been going back to St. Luke's, and it, it's almost had a kind of uh, Pertwee era unit feel to it, in the sense that we've got a base. Um, and you can and, see it's driving him towards opening the vault. Yes, yeah, it's it it, it it seems to be leading somewhere, and it seems and and that doesn't and that doesn't seem to be at the expense of the the monster of the week stories all of that all of that is great and and yet there is the, there is just this one bit in this story that if it if, if it is as you say a foreshadowing it feels like it's been crowbarred in at a point where it wouldn't otherwise have necessarily supported this the, the story it's part of yeah I, I think it's just because it's the only place they're going to have to fit something like that in is in the simulation where they can reset it completely show we've we've got this thing but yeah oh, now yeah, i'm going to ask you a question do you think and i i don't seriously think this but i'm gonna throw it out there when i was the first time the monks started talking to the doctor and we were looking at them because they had introduced the other story in this i'm looking at that monk going huh that's the master huh I didn't know that. Now, obviously, then there's three or four others, and it's like, oh, it's a whole race of them that look like that. But, I mean, that does kind of, you know, is within the desiccated, corpse-like oh, yeah. master look. Um, it just, you know, that was my, my first thought. It's like, are they, are they going for, they couldn't get Jeffrey Beavers? They, <laughs> <laughs> but, and then when they, you know, a bunch more of them showed up, I got, okay, no, that's just coincidence that they, they came up with that, but it, it oh, did, wouldn't uh, it be great to have the Beavers master? True. Yeah, true. I did. I did. I did think that. I mean, in general, I thought the episode looked fantastic. The the 
the planet of the executioners was superb the yeah, lighting the is lighting that, in the library in wales? i i don't i don't I, I yes it must be in wales but i don't actually know whereabouts it is i must find out i'll i'll post it in the comments but um the so so yeah and the and the lighting in in uh, in the library and you know the 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 kind of way we we dotted around and and had the pentagon and the oval office and everything i thought the episode looked great and yet for me we saw too much of the desiccated monks it always always seems to be they don't they just they don't quite deliver when you see too much of them and obviously they they spend a lot of money on them but that seems to require them to give a full frame shot so that you can mm. see hey look we made this really cool monster but it always works better if they're if they're you know still slightly in shadow and you, and it's less is more isn't it yeah and they're gonna have them next week so you know it's so they got plenty of opportunities to show them when they finally invade but let's um, not let let's let they they are more scary when you see them less yeah, it'll be interesting to see what their backstory is in the end. Right now, I just haven't quite got anything on them. They're just no. We just we know they're incredibly powerful because of what they can do. So they're a real they can threat. Simulate a time lord. Yeah, and that's, that that terms. works. They feel like a real threat. It you know it, it it does it does make the danger to Earth feel very immediate and unstoppable. And therefore, you know, it makes it more understandable that the Doctor is considering getting Missy out of the box. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you're right, we don't know much about them at all. Well, I guess we'll find out maybe next week. Bring it on. You know, well, I'm sure, I know they're in next week, so obviously it's in the trailer. But, you know, is that the end of them or are they a, do they come back later on? I don't know. I, I, uh, I suspect that one way or another it's not... It's, this 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 is this is the this is the arc story for the middle of the the season it's where it's where it pivots in the sense it wraps up the mystery of missy but it's introduced a new question mm-hmm. so. all right well simon thank you for joining me my pleasure as always and listeners i hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol fusion patrol is a lone locust production like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.